0: everybody. Welcome to episode 93 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host as usual, Jesse Burrell. And today I am not joined by my co-host, Riley McConnell. As you might've heard last episode, he is doing a scouting trip for us down to Mexico to try to find some more pitchers for us. So we are calling up our friend, Isaac Bass from the minor leagues. Isaac, welcome back to the show. Good to have you here.
1: It is great to be back. Unfortunate circumstances due to our series loss, but Mm -hmm. good to talk about. 100%.
0: Today on the show, we are going to get into that series loss to the Houston Astros. The Blue Jays' first series loss since opening weekend, might I add. And a lot of storylines came out of this one. But first, guys, remember, please subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Like the video on your way out here as well. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok anywhere you can find your podcasts. You can find Buds and Blue Jays. So please make sure you subscribe to us on there as well. Isaac, no time to waste. Lots of stuff to cover in this episode here. Let's just jump right into the game recaps for those at home who hadn't seen them. Game one, Big series against the Astros. Jays lost this game nine to two. Kevin Gosman got lit up early in this one. He gave up seven earned runs in the first. He settled in nicely after that, though, but it was too little too late. Jays two runs came off solo home runs, both by Matt Chapman and Santiago Espinal. Game two. Game the Jays won in this series, they won this one four to two. Jays got two solo home runs in the fourth, one by Vlad, one by Matt Chapman. They added two more in the next inning thanks to RBI singles from Santiago Espinel and Bobachette. Chris Bassett had his best start of the year, and Jordan Romano worked a four-out save for his save number seven on the season. And the game that just finished up probably about an hour ago here, Jays lose this game eight to one. This game was very close right until the end. Jose Brios gave up two runs early thanks to a hit by pitch, a walk and a double, but he also settled in quite nicely and the Jays had the bases loaded with nobody out down by one in the eighth, but could not get a run across. And then the Astros proceeded to blow it open right after that. So the Jays after this series, we are now actually slipped to fourth place in the AL East. We're 11 and eight, five games back of Tampa Bay Rays for first place. Still a long way to go in the regular season though, Isaac, lots of talking points to come from this series. Where do we start?
1: Well, I want to start with what just happened, because that's uh, some recency bias with Jose Burrios and he's mm-hmm. someone that I know you're a little bit more down on. Uh, I guess Riley and I are a little bit higher. I think that he can kind of return to at least be a semblance of a Jose Barrios, Minnesota Twins first year with the Blue Jays, Burrios And today he showed it, and I will add, there was one thing where when you look at his sat line, you see only three strikeouts. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it's like, well, that's like Jose Burrios can get up to 10, 12 strikeouts. Like, like the guy... He's a strikeout guy. And the fact that he only let up three hits, pitched seven innings and gave up two earned runs with only three strikeouts is good news for me because it means that if he has games where he can get those strikeouts back up, it'll be that much better. And he did well to um, keep contact at a low. So that's my thumbs up is Jose Barrios, who looked like uh, over the last two starts has kind of turned a corner. And if him and Kikuchi yeah, can yeah. settle in for a four or five, you and we think Minoa and Gosman are going to do better. And Bassett pitches the way he p- pitches. We got this uh rotation set up.
0: There just seems to be so much inconsistency right now from the Blue Jays and in their rotation. Like Kevin Gosman puts together three good starts, then has a, a stinker. You know, Yusei Kikuchi has gone good start, bad start, good start. Jose Brios went bad start, bad start now to an okay start to a good start. And then Bassett seems to be trending forward as well. Um, in regards to Jose Brios and his performance today. Seven innings pitch, only through 77 pitches, too. So about, what, 1.1, 1.1, pitches per inning. That will play every time. And 10 swinging strikes, too, in his uh, only three strikeouts. So I'm kind of with you there. And the big thing I really liked, Isaac, in this ep- er, this uh, in this in start was his location wasn't great, but he was using that slurve just a little bit more, and the fastball was kind of more toward the edges and not so much around the middle of the plate. He did have a good chunk, but he wasn't throwing wild balls with the fastball. So I will say that it's a plus for Jose Brios in this start.
1: And the slurf was in the strike zone a lot of the times, yes. which is like something he's really lacked. He kind of used... If someone sees a, slur, a slurf out of his hands, they're like, I'm not swinging. But today it was one of those things where they have to question the way, do I swing at these um, off-speed pitches because they can still touch the outer corners of the zone.
0: Mm-hmm. It was very good, very impressive. I liked what I saw from Jose Barrios. I still... Still too much hard contact, you know, still a hit by pitch, a walked, and then a double that was hit 107 miles per hour off the bat led to the two runs. But honestly, if this is the outing that Jose Brios puts forward every single time, I think we're going to be okay with him in this rotation here. Um, Isaac, I want to touch another player, another positive that I really liked in this series that might go a little underappreciated, and that was Whit Merrifield's performance. And I don't know about you, Isaac, but when I'm watching John Schneider put out this lineup every day, I'm really starting to think we need to have Whit Merrifield in here every single day. I know he had two more hits today. He had two hits in game two. I don't really remember exactly how he did in game one, but... John Schneider has even credited his defense in the outfield too. He's really liked how he's played in left field and he's liked how he's played in right field as well. And on top of that, he had a stolen base in today's game that was not credited as stolen base. But if you watch the replay and see what happened here, he was safe by at least three feet. And uh, I don't know what the cameras were doing, but you know, that's just another tool Whit Merrifield has in the bag. And I think he started the year two on a massive on base streak. I think it was 12 or 13 games that Whit Merrifield was in. He got on base. That'll work if he's hitting at the bottom of this lineup. And I kind of want to see more of it going forward from John Schneider.
1: Well, here's a question for you in, especially with Springer not swinging the bat. As well. (laughs) I know other than his first game, his batting average would be under 200, right? Like, I think it was 211 before his last at bat, which he lined up out. And then he had that four or five hit game at the start. Like, that would be under 200. His on base percentage is like 275, something like that. Like, if you want to give him a little bit more rest down the stretch so that we can actually have a healthy George Springer, do you ever consider putting Merrifield, if he's batting the way he is, to lead off this Jays lineup? I mean, he's got
0: the on base skills, right? Which is kind of what you want in the big guys, like, with. Bo and Vlad and Chapman hitting behind Mm. you. I do think the Jays have other options. I'd almost rather you see Bo Bichette up into the one hole if you want to. But yeah, it's not a bad take. You could see it, especially if you know, the extra base power from what Merrifield ever comes back. Um, You had a note on Springer there, and I want to touch on that. Yeah, the batting average is bad, but I think in game one of this series, Isaac, he had three fly ball outs. I don't have the exact distance, but I know one of them went 407 feet. Another one went 300 and something, and I think he hit almost 1,200 feet worth of fly balls that were Mm. all outs. Now, at the end of the day, outs are outs, right? It's all the same, whether it's a dribbler or a hard hit ball, but it is a sign of good things to come for George Springer, so... I know we've talked a little bit on, I know this is a Witt Merrifield segment, not a George Springer segment, but uh, I just wanted to say George Springer's maybe not doing as bad as we think.
1: Yeah, and I guess even the line not I don't have the exit velocity of it, but it was an amazing catch by Bregman. Like, uh, it was a hard hit ball down the line. So it is one of those things where, you know, luck. you have a different third baseman out there, you know, like he's a little bit off the line, you know, things could have gone very differently, but it's still discouraging to see your leadoff hitter, a guy... You hope that that decline that you guys spoke so much about before the season isn't really starting to hit because at least give us one more year. Give us this year. Drew mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. That line out you talked about in game three had a, an expected batting average of 700. He hit at 102.4 off the bat. That's um, just unlikely. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. want to, you want to talk about the luck. I guess we can kind cool. of use this now about how lucky or quote unlucky the Blue Jays have been. I remember there was a few years ago we talked about how the Blue Jays just late in close situations were terrible. And this is from a guy, Joshua Hausman on Twitter. I'm going to steal this stat. And I'm going to read it here. Here's how the Toronto Blue... Here's the slash line for the Toronto Blue Jays hitters with runners in scoring position and two outs. We're hitting 134 with a 216 on base percentage and a 239 slugging percentage with runners in scoring position and two out the blue Jays opponents against our pitching are hitting 290 with a 372 on base and a 493 slugging when they come up with runners in scoring position and two outs. So if you just want to talk about pure luck so far in the season, that seems staggering to me because unless you believe that being clutch is a real skill that can be taught, like I guess you got to take this as a positive because it's going to regress the right way here,
1: but do you have a take on that early in the year? Um, You know, the fact that we're still 11 and eight um, mm-hmm. and, you know, should have won some of these games as well. Like it's actually a little bit positive to see something like that because we are going to go back to the mean. We are, we are a top five hitting team in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. So like, that's not going to last forever. And if we can still be over 500 by a few games early in the season, you know, I think last year or maybe it was the year before we had a t- terrible start uh to the year and we ended up coming around and it's one of those things where we're not having maybe as good of a start as we thought we would pitching and hitting especially with runners in scoring p- position and we're still doing well so i'm actually a little bit that, that that stat makes me feel a little bit better because i think that it's going to definitely get better as time goes on um and we're we're batting right now against really good pitching
0: you we know are. like going yes. back
1: to back against houston and tampa probably the two best pitching teams in the American league. Like (laughs) that's tough. So, (laughs) and like
0: the Yankees who are going to face in the next series here, they've got some arms too, but you know, Mm -hmm. that's life in the American league East, right? We're going to face tough pitchers. The good news is the Jays have good hitters. So we should be able to handle um, these good pitchers. Just one more player. I want to throw a little love to And that's Matt Chapman, uh, Isaac and his hot streak is just insane, man hit two more home runs in this series. I'm pretty sure Matt Chapman is leading all of baseball in OPS and plus several other, I think his, uh, his war is the best in baseball. Are we on our look? Okay. True or false. Are we on our way to a Matt Chapman MVP season?
1: I'm going to say false. I do love Matt Chapman, but he has shown that he's a streaky hitter. So it's one of those things where it probably will come back to earth, but I think he could be in the conversation. So that, that's all I'll say with Otani in the league. Yeah, it's going to be you'd have to have you'd have to have this season he's having right now till the end. And I don't think I I think Matt Chapman's awesome. I think the contract year is definitely helping. And to touch on the contract year, I was talking about a friend with this yesterday. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of talk about people like uh, Simeon and people in contract years. It's like. They're just doing it for the money. And I just want everyone to to consider for a second, if you had a difference between a $140 million contract and a $200 million contract, that's $60 million. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you care about money or you don't care about money, that is going to have some subconscious (laughs) impact on your life. That's generational wealth. So I don't care if he's doing it for the money, whether it's conscious or subconscious, but Matt Chapman, I think we're we're probably going to have the last year from here. So let's just, let's cherish it, what we do. And maybe top five in MVP. Let's go with that.
0: I'm with you, dude. Uh, Scott Boris has got to be loving the season or the start here. <laughs> Matt Chapman is putting together. Uh, quick notes, 1.4 war, by far the best in baseball. His WRC plus, or Isaac, 252, which is, there's only one other player in baseball that's got a WRC plus over 200. And I will say, Isaac too, the thing we might not notice, his sprint speed is up to the 74th percentile which means he's faster than 74% of the league right now. And I think that might surprise you with Matt Chapman. So overall,
1: good baseball, dude. Glad he's on our side. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Big fan. All
0: right. From the positives, well, I guess we had one more positive. There was a good starter um, in this one. Chris Bassett had his best start with the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't have his exact line in front of me, but I knew he threw just shy of 100 pitches. Even the defense kind of let him down. But it was nice to see from Chris Bassett. I was... I was at his last start at home in Toronto, and he was doing a really good job of getting Detroit Tigers pitchers trying to guessing. And there were at least three or four instances in this game against the Houston Astros where Bassett threw it looked like a sinker or a cutter, very close to the middle of the plate and Astros hitters were just taking it. He looked pure and it's like, this is the soft contact, get them guessing type of guy. And you can really see how much it fools Astros hitters when it is all working and he's able to put it together in his spot. So what did you like about Chris Bassett's start here against Houston?
1: Well, I do have the line in front of me. He went six, uh, six and a third inning with three hits, one walk and five Mm -hmm. strikeouts with no earned runs. So uh, I, I, I will say I only watched a few innings from that game. I watched the last few innings as well. Um, It was super encouraging to see. And also the defense played amazing in front of him. Um, That is one of the the other things. But that's what's going to need to happen with a guy who's a contact-inducing pitcher, who's not going to fool too many guys. Um, But five strikeouts for Chris Bassett over six innings is really encouraging. And he's gotten better every single start. Mm -hmm. So maybe he throws a complete game next time. Who knows? Uh, But it's super encouraging to see. And especially because, as I'm sure we're going to get into, Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa Gosman had a weak start. Manoa's had a weak start to the season. Mm -hmm. I think they are going to turn around. So if all of these guys are clicking and we're still 11 and eight with our top guys, maybe not having the start that we thought they would, things are looking up. Okay, good.
0: So the panic level, I guess, is a little, it's still low. We're not hammering that button. We're not saying blow the team up just 19 games into the season, eh?
1: No, it's 11 and eight too. Yeah, Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and the Rays are going to have to play real competition soon, so (laughs) let's keep that in mind.
0: Yes, they will. Let's get into one of those starts that didn't go so well for the Blue Jays, and that was what Kevin Gosman did. I have his line here. Four and two-thirds, seven hits, seven earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts. I will say my call of Kevin Gosman winning the Cy Young, although I still believe that is going to happen, did take a little bit of a dip here, and I wanted to give the Astros some credit. They had a very pure plan of attack on what they want to do with Kevin Gosman. They were looking for that fastball. I felt like low in the zone, and they were trying to ambush it when they got it and they just came out hot and heavy against Gosman. He did settle in nicely after that disastrous first inning, but the two home runs allowed, even two walks is kind of high for Kevin Gosman. So you didn't want to see this, especially coming off of a start where Alec Manoa didn't look so good, but are you concerned at all from the start with Kevin Gosman or just a blip in the radar?
1: Nope. Some people just don't have it some nights. Um, Big Lee fan that happened last night, unfortunately for me, Uh, some people just, and especially pitchers, you know, like, I'm sure they have conversations when Pete Walker and uh, Snyder go out to the mound. He's like, look, I just don't have it tonight. But and they're like, just give us as many innings as you can. Um, So luckily for a guy like that, it doesn't happen very often at all. Uh, So I'm not discouraged at all. I expect guys, even the top, top guys in the league to have some nights where they just aren't that good.
0: Yeah, the eight runs allowed by Kevin Gosman matched a career high, which happened three times, but it hadn't happened since May 29th of 2019. And I did Mm want to note, though, uh, talking about Kevin Gosman's splitter here, there have been three pitches this year that have been thrown at least 100 times that have returned a sub 200 Woba against. One of them is Shohei Otani's sweeper, which should surprise nobody. One of the best pitches in the game. Luis Castillo's four-seamer is the best one with a 121 Woba allowed, which we saw in game one of the wildcard series (laughs) last year. And then the next pitch on that list is Kevin Gosman's splitter so if you were just that good at not inducing contact I am not worried if you have a weapon that
1: good in your bag
0: Uh,
1: Mm. uh, just going
0: on I guess yeah anything else to add
1: there no no I'm not too discouraged Uh, you know it sucked to look at the box score at the start and just see that Kevin Gosman who you thought would put up insane numbers as usual was already letting up four runs but you know it, it happens
0: Yeah, yeah. no level of concern there all right Do you have a concern then about this, uh, Isaac? And I want to take a big picture look at our bullpen here. Um, Some people on the internet and stuff are very saying, well, the Blue Jays bullpen was always a problem. I know Riley and I were quite confident in this bullpen. We thought it was going to go very good. But I want to read you some stats from some of the Blue Jays relievers so far and tell me if you are worried about this at all. Anthony Bass has an ERA over seven. I think it's 736. Jimmy Garcia's uh, ERA is 6.75. And if you look under the hood at some of the expected stats now, 11 or 19 games into the season. It is all very early, but Adam Samberg, Trevor, Trevor Richards, and Eric Swanson all have expected FIPS over five coming out of our bullpen. It seems like really the only good guys, I guess, Jordan Romano still been lights out, but like Zach pop has been a pleasant story in this bullpen too. But other than that, like, do you have a concern level for this guys in this bullpen?
1: Uh, well, one thing I think is abundantly clear by deadline, hopefully a little early in that is we needed a left handed throwing, um, reliever in this bullpen because Tim Meza is not it. Uh, I always get nervous when Tim Meza is out there and maybe you have two lefties in there and he can play a little bit lower leverage. Um, But right now, right now, if you need a guy in the eighth inning to come in and go against um a really good righty, it's going to be Meza. And I don't trust that. So against the lefty, when- right? right. Yeah. Sorry. And I, I don't, I don't trust that. So I would like to see, someone else come in at the deadline that you can be very confident in. I think Garcia is one of those things where he, he's one of those guys that just like has awful games and then his lights out for weeks, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know? And then, and Zach pop, the thing is, is if we had driven in those runs, Zach pop wouldn't have been in the game to give up okay. those runs late. And, then, and you can always play what ifs, but he's had an amazing season so far. He actually is. And even before the season started, when like, if, Anyone was talking about him starting in AAA. I was like, no, this guy's red. I've loved this yeah. guy's pitch mix um, from last year. As soon as we got him, we, you and I were talking all the times, like, why isn't he up with this team? When mm-hmm. we have guys like Trevor Richards, and I know Trevor Richards is like the Justin Hall of the, Hall of the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> Everyone wants to hate this guy, no matter what. And I think it's a little bit rightfully deserved. I don't want to. Say- I think Pearson has been tearing it up. Like, there's guys down there. Bring them up because. No matter what leverage position Richards is in, I don't feel good about it.
0: He's still getting the strikeouts, though, and that changeup is still a good pitch from Richards, and I think that's what's holding on here. Not when you F- throw it 11
1: times in a row.
0: That's the thing, right? If a hitter <laughs> knows it's coming, it's going to be easier to hit. But the numbers say it's still a good pitch. I did want to add um, what our manager John Schneider said about Zach Pop here. He said, quote, Zach Pop isn't just a one-trick pony coming in and throwing his sinkers. His slider has really turned into a weapon that has changed in who he is. And I'm reading between the lines here, Isaac, but I think that means some more high-leverage work for Zach Pop. And when Mitch White is healthy and coming coming back I'd be surprised if it is Zach pop the one who gets the can down to Buffalo
1: yes I would be very surprised with that as well um and I did want to touch on just because you mentioned Schneider and I don't want to lose this trail of thought this is Mm -hmm. a little bit beside the point but um in the eighth inning uh Nathan Lucas's first ever game um in the major leagues and I actually I'm curious about your thoughts on this uh I believe at the start of the bat, men on first and second, it was Kiermaier and Merrifield and they had him bunt on the second pitch after the first was a ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but before, prior to all this, he ends up walking prior yeah. to all this. They have Biggio on, on the bench um, to be a pinch hitter. It's his first game. This is a huge situation for the guy. They're down by a run and Schneider keeps him in. I was, I really like that call. And do, I don't know. Eh? I didn't. I didn't look on Twitter to like check it all. But I think it's early enough in the season, and he's done well down there. That you show confidence in, especially a lefty, especially a lefty, um, and see what he can do. And he had a great at bat, got on base. So it's one of those things where I actually really like that call. I'm not putting Bisio in. What What are your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, At the time, I was screaming bunts, and I I hate bunts too, but I was like, that's when you're going to sacrifice bunt, right? Get the top of your order, get Springer and Bichette coming in, you have a good chance to score two. And then when he didn't have it on the first pitch, I was like, okay, what's going on? And then he tried it in the second pitch, and then I was at work, so I had to get called away. And the runners
1: moved up. So the runners moved up on a wild pitch. Yes. So he didn't need to bunt anymore, or else I'm sure they would have still gone with it.
0: Right. And then at that point, you know, Nathan Lucas has always had good contact skills throughout the minors. I guess... You're trying to show you have faith in the young kid, right? And even though you've barely played in like a week and a half, he's young in terms of like his experience at the major yeah. league level, yeah. right? So I thought maybe that was, you know, try to get him a welcome to the Blue Jays or a welcome to the team moment if he can come through with a big hit there. Hey, the walk is not a terrible outcome. And if Nathan Lucas goes on to be productive for this year, maybe we can look back at this series against the Astros and think, hey, that was why. And uh, we got good stuff from Nathan Lucas.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just curious on your thoughts on that because I really like that move. It shows some faith. And I also don't have too much faith in Vigio anyways. So.
0: <laughs> Not a lot <laughs> of us do, to be honest, Isaac, I wanted to get your take a little bit here on the Anthony Bass drama. I don't know if you saw this on through Twitter or if I guys at home, but he posted a picture of his, I believe it was his wife and his kids. They were having popcorn on a plane and the popcorn was all over the ground. And I don't really know the full details here. You can look it up if you're looking for more information, but from what I gathered of the situation here is that there was pop Popcorn on the floor. They wanted a flight attendant or some type of housekeeper on the plane to clean up the popcorn. And I a lot a lot of people on Twitter, including myself, were kind of giving them grief. It's like, you have your child. I know it's it's someone's job to pick it up, but be courteous, you know, clean up after your mess. Like I like I'm an adult, I'm 30 years old, and I still make a mess when I eat popcorn. Sometimes I will make a mess and clean it up. So if you're giving it to a child, I think you can expect that to happen.
1: And I don't know. Do you have a take on this? Do we go too far? So I actually have I have a few takes on this, and I'll touch on them briefly. I want to give all perspectives because I thought about all okay. perspectives when it came to this. So, firstly, apparently the popcorn was given by the flight attendant. Not sure. that that matters too much. Um, secondly, his wife was pregnant. Is sure. pregnant. Um, so on one hand, Twitter blew up just calling this guy entitled and saying stuff like, "Why don't you have a nanny on there? You're making so much money. <laughs> Ridiculous, right? Way overboard." Um, I want to give uh, Bass's perspective, being yep. a bass myself, mm-hmm. Um whether or not you agree or disagree, it's one of those things where if that was your wife who was pregnant on a plane and she was being told to get on her hands and knees and pick up yeah. popcorn You'd when she was pregnant, you would yeah. be sticking up for it. Yeah, so it might be one of those things where he's not even that, like it is what it is, but he's like sticking up for his wife. So there are, there are certain things like People, a lot of people agree that Will Smith uh, should have slapped Chris Rock. Now, do I? Absolutely not. But a lot right. of people do agree with that, that you should stick up for your partner no matter what. So that's probably his perspective. His wife's pregnant. She's really not wanting to, to do it. It's very uncomfortable for her to do it. Do I think that he should have gotten complaints so that the person might have gotten fired? I think that's a little bit. That's a little, a little, little bit
0: extreme, time, yeah. Right?
1: So that's the main thing that I think people had a lot of gripe with. So just to try and think about it from his perspective as well. But at the same time, you know, he probably wishes he didn't send that tweet. Let's be completely honest now, right? And he probably expected a completely different outcome. In the end, there's a lot bigger picture going on uh, in the yes. world right now. Yes, agreed. And he, <laughs> yeah, I know you agree with that. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's good to look at things through all perspectives and see he's probably just being a good husband to his wife.
0: I will say uh, the people on the internet took a powerful move with this. Even the Houston Astros uh, Twitter account, said something about cleaning up the mess. I remember when Anthony Bass came into a game and opening one, even the Astros announcers said Bass is coming in to clean the mess. So (laughs) everyone knows what they were doing. It was a very big troll job from everyone on there. And I hope, you know, Anthony Bass learns a lesson from this. And I hope that everyone at home can learn a little lesson from this, whatever that lesson may be go on. Pick Isaac. up
1: after your damn kids. That's, yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> or teach them to pick up after their damn selves. Mm-hmm. That's the better lesson here. Don't get your pregnant wife to do it. Get your kids to do it there you because go. that is transferable life skills going forward.
0: 100%. And why are you bringing your young child on a public airplane anyway? But <laughs> yeah. Whatever.
1: That's a story for another
0: day. Uh, I have one more note that I really want to touch on here. And that is a uh, Jordan Romano. And when he got his save in game two of this series, he got four outs. I don't know if you look at the pitch mix here, but of his 14 pitches, he threw 13 of them were sliders. He threw one fastball. And I guess, you know, Hey, the slider is a good pitch. If it's working, don't stop throwing it. But 13 to one on the pitch mix there from Jordan Romano, I thought was very interesting. Do you have a thought on that from Romano here?
1: I'm just picturing being in the batter's head and being like, he's going to throw a fastball this time and then it doesn't come. He's going, He's yeah. got to throw a fastball this time and then it doesn't come. So it might be one of those games where the guys were like, what the hell? <laughs> like, when are we actually going to get a fastball here? And it actually fooled him. Apparently he did really well. So uh, I, I think that's just a, a very anomaly. He probably realized it was working really well for him. He's like, I'm just going to keep throwing this. And they're probably going to think I'm going to throw one of the best pitches, fastballs in the entire league. And I'm just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Some news and notes here. I guess let's take
0: a look to the farm, Isaac. And I know you love these Ricky Tiedemann updates. I got another one for you here. This is what Ricky Tiedemann did for his second start in 2023. He went three and two thirds innings pitch, one hit allowed, one run, two walks. He did hit a batter and six strikeouts. He got 12 swing and miss on his 58 pitches. He ran into some trouble in the first inning here, but was able to get out of it. And I guess there was some bad defense behind him as well. His command was a little inconsistent, but he did seem to figure it out for the rest of the way. I would still say he still needs some fine tuning but I think he'll be ready for A Buffalo sooner than later. Uh, any curiosities about Ricky Tiedemann's second start?
1: Uh, curiosities is the is an interesting way to put it because, of course, there's a lot of curiosities yes, uh, and excitement. But, I mean, if the guy's only pitching three innings, like, there's a ways to go, right? So uh, I'm going to temper my expectations, and if all of our guys are firing right now, like, who would you take out of the rotation? You know, I, I think we can both agree. If Barrios continues at least a semblance of what he's doing right now, there's no one to take I know you're not wanting to take out Kikuchi. So no, he's I, I think, I think Tiedemann is a guy that we can wait on and I'm totally cool with that. But seeing six strikeouts in the game before all of those strikeouts and watching them 97, 98, 99 mile per hour heat. So that is nice to see.
0: I was looking for a Nate Pearson update. You mentioned earlier in the show how he was doing in AAA Buffalo. I vaguely recall seeing somewhere that like out of his last 11 outs, like eight of them were strikeouts, but I don't have that confirmed. But it seems like Nate Pearson is pitching very well down in the farm. And with, you know, some struggles for the Blue Jays at the major league clubs, how likely do you think it is that we see Nate Pearson with the big league club in the next week or so? Mm,
1: 50. I think it's 50% in the next week. Uh, time frame in the next month, I think Nate, Nate Pearson's going to be up with the club. I'm kind
0: of, I'm kind of with you. It's going to be sooner rather than later. It's just there isn't really, I guess, an obvious candidate to go down. Maybe the Blue Jays are waiting for an injury to happen somewhere, which will happen inevitably. But I would say Nate Pearson is number one. The next time someone or the Blue Jays need a reliever, maybe we wait till we get on the road and we have a double header or something like that mm-hmm. and we will see something there. Uh, some news notes around Major League Baseball. The Toronto Blue Jays announced that starting next year in phase two of their renovations, we will have quote-unquote premium clubs that will be added to the renovations next year. And these are going to be... They're going to kind of be like little more nightclubs, little fancier things behind home plate where you can have like a gourmet meal and stuff like that. They have three areas. They have the lounge. They have the home plate club and a batting tunnel club. It just seems more fancy renovations with better design, more decor, and try to build a more prestigious effect to the ballpark. I don't know if you saw the pictures of these here, but uh, Roger Center is just continuing with the renovations. And I was there for two games this weekend. I know you'll be there probably next weekend here. It's going to be really exciting to go back to the dome and watch some games.
1: Yeah, I always loved it before they did all the renovations. And it's fun to watch us in our ballpark now with the, the chant for so many home runs and to see their pitchers get rattled. Mm-hmm. So I think everything that they added has looked good so far. Um, And I mean, they by adding prestigious things that probably you and I won't be going to anytime soon, it allows them to afford maybe guys like Matt Chapman going forward. Sure. So I am, I am okay with adding that kind of stuff. It means that Rogers has, infinitely more money to sign big name free agents
0: with you on there. Now we got to preview the Yankee series very quick here. The Jays will have an off day on April the 20th before beginning a three game weekend set in New York against the Bronx. This is the first time we see the Yankees this season. And actually it will be the last time we, I think we see them once next month and then not again until September. So winning these games against the Yankees, a team we're likely going to be chasing is going to be very important. Probable pitchers in game one, it'll be Yusei Kikuchi against Domingo Herman. Game two will be Alec Manoa against Garrett Cole. That'll be a fun one, Manoa against Cole in Yankee Stadium. And then game 3 we'll have Kevin Gosman against Clark Schmidt. Isaac, give me a series prediction or a pick-to-click or a storyline that you're going to be watching this weekend against New York.
1: Uh, I'm going to take over Riley and say it's a a two-to-one Jays Jay's, uh, victory. I think Manoa is going to... I think he's such a competitive guy that if he's going against a guy like Garrett Cole, that he's basically talk shit to for the entire <laughs> off <season. Yes. laughs> I think he is going to turn it on and that is going to be a great game. And maybe we can get under the skin of Cole because we know that is easy. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think two to one, I think Chapman's going to continue. And I would really like to see George Springer turn, as you said, those high um, velocity uh, off the bat hits into home runs. I, I think he's going hit to hit a dinger um, in this series.
0: I love the call. I want to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. get going. He had one home run in this series. I want to see him hit a little more. There's more power in that bat, Vladdy. We know it's in there. Come on. <laughs> I do want to see if uh, Garrett Cole walks past the Audi sign, if there's any chirps to Alec Manoa like he didn't last year. So that game on Saturday is Probably going to be must-watch TV. I will say, though, Friday's game, Kikuchi. uh, You say Kikuchi start is only available on Apple TV, so I guess we're going to give another thumbs down to that because you can only watch it if you have Apple TV or if you subscribe to their free trial, which I'm not a fan of. I get why MLB is doing this, but not a fan of that. So I guess you say Kikuchi will have to watch from afar. Go out and dominate the Yankees on your opening start. Or illegally,
1: everyone. You could always watch it illegally. Hundred percent.
0: Hundred percent. Here at Buds and Blue Jays, illegal streaming is the way to go. That the thing. Um that's all we got for the episode here today. You know, big series coming up against the Bronx. Isaac, was there anything else you wanted to add? Maybe something you wanted to plug before we get out of here today?
1: Nothing necessarily I want to plug. I did want to ask you one little thing. I don't know if you paid attention to the um Jermaine and uh Scherzer drama that was going on today and over the last few days i wanted to get your thoughts quickly on that because i'm not informed enough about that kind of stuff it looked to me everyone was talking about the yankees cheating as usual uh <laughs> and Jermaine was allowed back on the field after finding resin on his uh hands uh scherzer had the similar situation maybe it was someone said tape i don't know there's a he was pointing at his hand saying it's resin and he was actually kicked off And that was everyone concluded that the Yankees have the umpires under their pocket. What are your thoughts on that? Anything I'm missing?
0: I don't know. MLB is trying to do a crackdown on the sticky stuff again, kind of like they did on last year, because when they did the ban, all the spin rates on pitches went down and then it slowly crept up as the season went on. So I guess Major League Baseball thought, hey, the sticky stuff ban is back again. I will say in the uh, Max Scherzer ejection today, Max Scherzer is a very tempered guy. And when he's getting in the umpire's face, I'm sure he might have said something that probably led to the uh, ejection and whatever, but it did look like Rosin, his own coach like touched the glove too and touched the hand and said, yeah, it's just Rosin. I don't know. And I think it'd be hard if you're an umpire to be able to touch another guy's hand, be like, is this Rosin? Is this tape? Like, is this tack? Like, I don't know. I don't think I could do that. And I doubt these umpires are trained that well into figuring it out either. I don't know. I think it's just a way for major league baseball to say, Hey, look, we're doing something and they'll, this will happen for a little bit before I think ultimately it's going to go away.
1: Yeah, and I guess if we see the Yankees, it happened again to the Yankees and he's allowed back on the field. Maybe it was one of those things where the call, uh, Major League got a call and said, That's not like you can't let him back on the field. And then they just did it the next time. And that looks bad on the Yankees, but let's just go with the Yankees are cheating narrative because we don't like the Yankees. So that's a good way to close the show going into a series with the New York Yankees. Let's do
0: it. Build the hatred. Let's get the series pumped (laughs) and ready to go. That'll do it for episode here today, guys, Isaac. Thank you once again for joining us. We'll probably have you again later this week to recap on the weekend to do it again until Riley is back from his vacation. But until then guys, remember you can follow us Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and anywhere you can get your podcast. Please make sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Until then, guys, let's beat some Yankee butt and we'll see you next week. See ya.